Hello and welcome to the Fiercely Awakening Podcast. My name is Tanya Holcomb, and I'm grateful that you're joining me on a journey to honor your story, reclaim your power, and answer your soul's call for greatness. With conversations on self-love, true nourishment, and natural healing, featuring transformative stories of divine intervention, unshakable faith, and living life untethered, you'll be inspired and motivated to release what no longer serves you, pursue what you truly desire, and trust your path. No, it is no accident that you've arrived here. You seek truth, activation, and empowerment. Your seeking led you to exactly where you need to be. You are Fiercely Awakening. Welcome. Hello, and welcome back to the Fiercely Awakening podcast. Today is all about radical acceptance, but before we dive into that, I want to make sure I set us up to be all on the same page. So we know that our thoughts create things, but not only do our thoughts create things, but what we energize manifests. What we give energy to consciously or subconsciously grows. And so you may have set a very clear intention for what you want, and you may be wondering why it's not working. Well, there's really good chance that the subconscious is blocking it or canceling it out. So your subconscious emotions can literally hijack your freedom of choice and make you feel like you are bound by invisible chains. Neuroscience says that only about 15% of your mind is conscious, and some would argue that it's only 5%. So your subconscious is anywhere from 85% to 95%, and this is the majority of your mind that holds all of your habits, your beliefs, and your memories. Bruce Lipton, the author of The Biology of Belief, which is an amazing book I highly, highly recommend, he says the subconscious mind is running programs that are a million times, a million times more powerful than the processing abilities of the conscious mind. So let's just put this in perspective that we can all relate to to some degree. So let's say that you want to manifest money. Your conscious positive thoughts about making more money are competing with the programming contained in you uh, that's a very much more powerful, uh, that subconscious that's actually resisting your desire to make more money. This inner conflict between what people say or what people say uh, that they think that they want and what their blocks are leaves them literally feeling like they're going crazy uh, because they just don't understand why they continue to behave the way they do. It makes them wonder like, why do I procrastinate on the very actions that I know would actually make me more money? Or why do I avoid invoicing people? Or why do I avoid setting uh, money goals? Or they puzzle over why the thought of asking for a raise or increasing their fees or actually getting paid their value, right? Like why does this make them feel such anxiety and such fear? So this is, this is what we're talking about here. We are talking about how powerful this subconscious programming is, this subconscious conditioning is, and why we can have a conscious thought, but this subconscious can just wipe that out. 
right? Because this is what's holding our behavior. This is what's holding our habits. So we're gonna be diving deeper today and how to start the process of releasing these blocks. And these blocks are also referred to as stopping points. And they're essentially what we uh, call limiting beliefs. Okay, so it's these, these limiting beliefs that are in us, in our subconscious, that is canceling out or fighting against what our desire is. Subconscious programming is your default way of showing up in the world. Habits, practices, ways of being that are unconscious are created by our brain to help keep us safe. So why is this? Well, between the ages of zero and seven, we are essentially downloading how to function, like how to survive, basically. And so all of us have conditioning and programming that took place. And some of us, you know, it's it's more toxic than others, right? But this whole programming really determines the rest of our life. Now we can change that, right, with these tools that, that I'm teaching you and these tools that are available to us to help heal and clear the subconscious programming, but how many people are actually aware of this, right? They're running on autopilot. They're running on incredible fear, incredible anxiety, and they don't understand why they're feeling this when they have a really good life. So why are they still feeling the way that they're feeling. Well, again, this this has all taken place between the ages of zero and seven. So by when you're in utero, up through the age of seven. Okay, so during this time, um, you know, this person, this child must learn how to be a functioning person. And there's thousands of rules, right? And nature has created, you know, up until the age of seven, for this to be a time of life where we are able to basically observe behavior and download it. Like we are watching everything, we're modeling, right? We're watching how behavior is done and we're, we're able to download that and start to act like that. Now, babies believe that love is essential for our survival. And it's in our DNA from the day that we're born that love is essential for our survival. So most people go through their whole life, right, thinking that love is absolutely essential for our survival. So between the ages, again, of that zero and seven, we are living very much in a place of egocentric. And so we are forming truths that if someone is happy, that that it's because of us. And if someone is sad, it's because of us. You literally are believing and thinking that every single action that's happening around you is because of you. You link everything back to your behavior. So if the people in your environment are dissatisfied, if they're unhappy, if they're traumatized, like all these things, like you form these thoughts as a child that it had something to do with you. We do this in order to make sense of our environment. So our brain is looking for an explanation of the scenario and your ego has to find a story. 
It's, it's how our, our brain works. We have to make it make sense. And the only way during this period of our life that we can make it make sense is if we basically say that it's because there's something wrong with me. So we are just literally a meaning making machine. If dad, you know, asks me to get quiet, then that must mean that I'm not important. Kids don't have adult brains, they are children. And so they form these truths in these early ages that I'm not good enough, I'm not loved, what I have to say is not important. And then these things are the things, these things are those limiting beliefs that hold us back later in life. And you know, these can be literally, when I started doing this, this healing and this clearing, like some of these thoughts, these truths that I had formed, these limiting belief patterns, when I allowed myself to go back and clear them, and I could actually see many times when that limiting belief took root, and my gosh, was it when this higher adult perspective, was it such an innocent setting? You know, I had a time, um, you know, part of my journey is I had to teach myself that it was okay to cry in front of others. And I had to like literally allow myself to get vulnerable with people that are close to me. You know, it was the people that were closest to me that I had a hard time really crying with and crying such a basic function, right? It's so incredibly healing. And what, as I learned why I actually behave like this, it took me back into a memory that when I was little, you know, I grew up with three brothers when I was little and I was crying, my mom had said to me, big girls don't cry. And then my brothers had mocked me and said, big girls don't cry. And so I just had accepted this truth that if I wanted to be a big girl, if I wanted to, you know, had to have a seat at this table with this family, then I can't cry. And so something so simple, right? Something so innocent that left a, a, was a pivotal moment for me. And so then I had to go rewrite the story to go allow myself to be able to be vulnerable, to express myself and allow tears to flow without blocking them, without stopping them. So it's these things, it's these little truths that we form between the ages of zero and seven that literally set those limiting belief patterns that hold us back into adult because we give meaning to it, right? We give meaning to these things because that's the way our brain is wired to do. Because if we were to say that there's something wrong with dad, then that means that we're not safe. If we were to say that there's something wrong with mom, then we're not safe. If we were gonna say that there's something wrong with the world, then we're not safe. So the only choice that we think that we have during this time is to make it about us. That's the safest place for us to do. So here's the kicker. As you grow up, you go looking for evidence everywhere to prove your limiting beliefs are right. If you think people can't be trusted, you will look for all the signs. If you think there's not enough hours in the day, you will live this way. Your beliefs will literally create your experiences of the world. 
And some of these blocks, of course, are in the form of an agreement that we made with our family or part of our lineage. And then some of them, of course, are real survivor patterns that we got set up in childhood. And so there's so many places that we can take this, but the biggest thing I want you to walk away with is that this is literally our wiring and it's okay because it's all done from a place of love and it's all done on behalf of our ego to keep us safe. <clears throat> so if you don't have something you desire on the physical plane, well, this is an indicator that you have something to release, whether it's an attachment or resistance. If you don't have what you desire yet, it's often because of something you are resisting. And we have to let go of that resistance or whatever your attachment is to that resistance to embody a new way of being. So key to releasing attachments is to realize that whatever that block is, it's a good thing. It was trying to serve you. It was trying to keep you safe. And it really was serving a purpose. And naturopathically, we can see the human body working to serve us constantly in the way that she communicates with us. And a lot of people, unfortunately, view their body as out to get them, which is simply not true. Our body is always constantly working to serve us. And it's just that these symptoms get, like the communication of these symptoms because the language of understanding our body is not learned, we view it as disruptive to our lives when really it's just trying to do its best to serve us. And the same is true with our subconscious and conscious minds. It's really done so in a way to serve us. And I think that's the biggest important thing is that we can't look back and say that, you know, that to see yourself as a victim to these to this life, right? Like that is the exact opposite of what we do because if we feel that we are a victim, right? That we drew the unlucky card, then that's not gonna move us forward to radically heal. That step one is always taking 100% responsibility and then moving through this healing work. So step one, realize that every block is meant to serve you. It is serving a positive intention. And on a human level, there's always, always a really good reason why we don't have what we want. The key is to release our grip, to radically accept what is. The other night I was teaching a muscle response testing class with my fiercely empowered mamas. And I had a guest on with me to demonstrate how I do full body scans to find what the body needs most and to identify what layer of healing that we're in and to really just um, see what, to, to make sense of the communication that the body's giving. And my guest shared a powerful story about radical acceptance and it, it was just so fitting for the message that I wanna share with you today. So I'm just gonna do just really quickly summarize the story. I'm leaving out some significant things, but there's just a point that I wanna drive home. So she had experienced a molar pregnancy and essentially instead of her body growing a baby, she was growing a tumor. And so you can imagine how traumatic this news would be to be at 16 weeks along and you find out that not only 
Do you not have a baby that you so deeply desired, but now you have to get this tumor out of you before it potentially turns to cancer? I mean, this is heavy stuff. So after going through a whole lot and having two DNCs to remove the tumor, it still wasn't enough. And while she was still building trust with natural healing and she was doing a whole lot of beautiful things for her body, she was still absolutely terrified and desperate. She was laser focused on bringing down her HCG levels. And to her, if the HCG levels went down, that was an indicator that she was gonna be okay. But if those HCG levels went up, then that literally meant that she was going to die. Okay, so this is what our minds can do to us. They they go from zero to 60. And um, those HCG levels, of course, going up, could mean that the, her body was building a tumor, right? But it's it's not black and white, but our ego goes into that survival mode. It's like a woman stepping on a scale constantly to find out if all the work she's doing to lose weight is working. And as we know, that scale lies and it really messes with our head. So if a woman's working to lose weight and she's stepping on the scale and she finds that even though she was feeling so good and she was feeling uh, so empowered, just that number on the scale can send her in a spiral, right? And that's so not okay. That's the ego taking taking over. So in this in this story's case, every blood draw that she would endure would be a mind F. Because even if she felt good and that she felt like she was healing, if the numbers climbed at all, she would panic, right? She'd be terrified that this could spread to her lungs or worse, yeah, her brain. And of course, you have the allopathic model really feeding the fear, right? Really painting the scenario of worst case scenario. And so this feels very much to her ego like a life and death situation. She was absolutely terrified of needing chemo. Uh, her doctors were pushing her for chemo and she was resisting that. She had fear in every direction that was really running the show. Now, of course, there are absolutely limiting belief patterns, conditioning that we have that really determine how we're able to show up to this kind of news. And this is why it's so important that if you are someone that fear sickness or if you have a lot of sickness that runs in your family or if you have a you know family history of cancer, like doing this work now is so key. You have to change the programming because this programming can take over, right? And and literally your ego is gonna like grab a hold of that and you're gonna be making terrified decisions, which we know are never a good thing. So now keep in mind, I am telling you an absolutely abbreviated portion of the story, but I just want to make a point here. Um, when our ego runs a show and there's a legit health concern, right? It's going to be a full on consumption of a negative spiral. So at one point, her numbers had went back up. Okay, they were making baby increments going down, she was doing the work, but then they went back up. And it was in that moment that she just decided she is doing chemo, she couldn't do this anymore. And in that same day of her making that choice was the same time that her fear went away. And on that day, she had chemo. When she decided that she was having chemo, 
everything changed. Now here's the astonishing thing. In this, she was in this uh, molar pregnancy group and she would see all these stories of these women going through similar things, right? And, and some of them needed chemo, some of them don't. But this is what she realized, is that when there was women that their HCGs were rising back up, which meant that there could be the regrowth of tumor and there could be, you know, it could spread and it just, you know, all those stories. And the minute they decide to have chemo, their numbers started to drop and then chemo was never needed. So now looking back in her story, she realizes that chemo was not the answer for her, but and had there been a delay in her making the decision to have chemo and having that next blood draw and then starting chemo, so let's say there was a week or two delay, that her numbers would have went down on their own because the medicine is always accepting what is and surrendering. And in this story, these women radically accepting what was or what is, was the power to heal. So was chemo the answer? No. But was it absolutely necessary to accept what is? Yes. And in this case, being so desperate to heal, being so desperate and afraid of having to have chemo, right? Or thinking that we might die, then we, when we have those feelings, like when we just accept the possibility of, of what is or accepting our situation, I should say, accepting our current circumstances, then that's when everything changes. Because the sooner we can accept what is, the sooner we allow for more choice. Some of these blocks that we experience will make us feel crazy. They make us feel like we don't have control. Every block, every pattern, every limiting belief always has a positive intention. I want you to remember that, right? So First, we always have to step, start with that step zero and we have to own our choices. You know, the subconscious programming can feel so sneaky. It can feel like you're just uh, repeating a cycle even though you are working so hard not to. So the invitation is here to radically, stuff, to radically accept the stuff that's driving you crazy. If we want to snap our fingers and see rapid change, we have to accept what is. The instant we do that, we create another choice on the menu. So consider what happens when you're not consenting to what is. If you're angry about what's going on, you're pushing against it. Resistance, it pushes back. You know, this this whole mass thing with COVID, um, as I'm sure if you know me and follow me, you know that it absolutely drives me crazy because it doesn't make any sense. The more I think about it, the more frustrated I get, and guess what? The more it pushes back. So my husband and I were supposed to go away a couple weeks ago for our 13th anniversary, and I canceled last minute when I found out that the area that we were going to was strongly enforcing masks. I'm just like, I'm not consenting to that. I'm not voting with my dollars. I'm not okay with it. I don't care if it's for two seconds. Like I'm not okay with it. And as time went on, 
I realized that that was one possibility of what our experience could be like. And I had the power to change this narrative and have the experience that I desired. So we scheduled a couple of days away and then we found this most romantic uh, bed and breakfast off the grid. And every single experience that we've had going places, I've chosen to radically accept what is. And while I'm not wearing a mask, I'm also not being met with any resistance. We've been able to freely move about and every encounter that we've had with mask wearers has been absolutely my kind of normal. Resistance to what is puts us in the energy of resistance. So what we don't want hangs around. If there's someone in your life being needy and being clingy and you push them away, what happens? They hang on harder and they hang around even more to what's being rejected. When we push something away, we are met with it pushing back. Freedom to this is acceptance, curiosity, and appreciation. These three things create space. When we can find ourselves saying, hmm, you know, this is interesting. What might be the positive intention here? Or what other possibilities exist? One creates space and choice. The other creates nowhere to move, just more stuckness. Surrender is surrendering to the truth of what is. And when we do this, we instantly have more choice. Abraham Hicks says, we do not live in a rewarding universe. We do not live in a punishing universe. We live in a mirroring universe. When we are resisting, we continue to see more resistance. We see it mirrored back in all the ways. So it's that resistance that when we resist, right, we see more resistance show up. And if we want to break the pattern, we simply accept or consent. And this is not like, oh, I'm going to think positive and ignore, right? This is very different than that. When we focus on the positive, uh, if we're just saying, like, I'm just going to focus on the positive, there is still a huge part of you that's focused on the negative, and that is still a resistance loop. So you can't positive way think your way through it. And if you're thinking positive and you're feeling negative, uh, then on top of that, you're also making meaning out of it. So let me just explain this more. Step one, you have an unwanted experience. Step two, you have a negative feeling and your brain starts firing off more negative energy. Step three, wall of resistance, which is there to keep something bad from happening and let us know something is wrong. A normal human response is to stay in that loop. And that's what we're conditioned to do. Our ego says, well, you're not dead yet. So, you know, if our human brain is wired to survive, so it goes into thinking, you know what? Whatever is happening is working and I'm good with that. Resistance actually makes our ego feel better because it lets us know that we're alive. So another way to, to look at this is that when we are going after what we want, 
our ego will bring us back to where we were and we can see that as in the form of self-sabotage right or we see this in the form of creating distractions or illusions or these upper limit problems and it's not that your ego is out to get you please know that your ego is not out to get you your ego is out to keep you safe and even though where you may be or where you've been may not be at all a place of joy, peace and harmony, uh, you know, happiness may not all may, may not be at all a place of freedom to your ego. You've survived this. And so this is far safer place to be than to have you going after what you want. And this is why we see these resistance loop come because your ego is trying to bring you back to a place of feeling safe. And so to break the pattern is radically accepting, uh, consenting to what is, and please know, that does not mean that we condone what is. It's not saying I just have to live with this, it's never gonna change, that's not at all. But to be able to be in the room with resistance and be able to say, wow, I see what's going on. I see what you're doing. I see that you are doing that thing that you do to try to keep me safe. And this allows us to have a perception shift. So when we can see our subconscious mind that loves us so hard that our brain does all of this crazy stuff to love us because of the programming, because of the conditioning, and that this is all done from a place of survival, and we say, I'm not gonna fight you, I get it, what other possibilities exist? The energy of radical acceptance is the exact same energy of standard. It's saying this is how it is and that is how it is. And in both cases, we're out of the fight and we're out of the struggle. When you're no longer in struggle or you're no longer gripping with desperation, Now you are in a different vibration. And from this place, we get to ask my favorite question, which is, what do you want? What is it that you really want? And we're not working to shame or blame or, you know, just hate on our ego parts. We're just accepting it. We know that there's nothing broken, there's nothing to fix. You are human. And those pesky parts of you are just trying to serve you and they just are what they are and they are adjustable. Uh, You hear so many times, or at least I do with the people that I follow, they'll use, um, you know, just the analogy of, you know, a, a rock is just a rock. A sock is just a sock. A um, table is just a table, right? It's all neutral. It just is. And it's our perception and it's our choice that gives it a charge. So if you grew up and there was a story of someone using a rock to hurt someone, then perhaps you would see that rock from a different perception, right? You wouldn't see that rock as just a rock because now you have a charge behind it. And so when we work to achieve neutrality, 
when we work to allow the power of choice to move us through things, it radically changes how we're able to show up. And remember, it's not that you're not going to deal with it. It's not that you're not going to deal with this stuff. It's just that you're first going to consent or accept it. So I challenge you, what resistance loop are you dealing with right now? Or in other words, what in your life do you need to get curious about or to, in order to radically accept or stop the pattern? And again, you can see this show up that if you're frustrated by something, you're going to be continued to be met with more frustration. So I think it's worthy at this point to just revisit what Abraham Hicks uh, so graciously left us with, which is we do not live in a rewarding universe. We do not live in a punishing universe. We live in a mirroring universe. So when we are resisting, we continue to see more resistance. Whatever we resist persists. And we will see it mirrored back to us all over the place. So just take a moment and just see, you know, and, and you can, again, you can see this if you have an unwanted experience and you have a negative feeling and your brain starts firing off that negative energy, that's when you're going to see that wall of resistance come up and it's there to try to stop more bad things from happening. It's there to try to let us know something is wrong, but instead of showing up and being human about it, right? We accept what is, and we put more choice on the table. This is why the work we do in the Untethered Sister Mind is so powerful, because we go deep in bringing understanding of how the subconscious mind operates, why people really self-sabotage, and how to shift this part of your mind to have quantum leaps forward and manifesting your true desires. And we already have five soul yeses to this incredible container of high vibing women. And if you've already applied or on my calendar for discovery call, know that I absolutely cannot wait to talk with you and see if this opportunity is in true alignment for your highest good. And if you haven't applied yet, but you're feeling the nudge, this is your very, very last chance to do so. So much love to you. Beautiful blessings. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today's episode. If you loved your time with me, please subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes so I can keep bringing you the good stuff. And then come say hello by joining me in our private Facebook group, Love Yourself Fiercely. Cheers to you for seeking truth and fiercely awakening.